Good morning and hello to all you amazing women out there listening in from wherever you may be. And to our listeners at large, I'm Nairi, your host, and welcome to the Avanti Woman podcast, where we empower, connect, and build women to move forward, feel confident, and thrive in four areas, healthcare, finance, entrepreneurship, and philanthropy. Okay, so we have a very important and valuable topic on women in business entrepreneurship prepared for us today by my colleague co-host, Sarah Chitak, and it's the third in a four-part series focusing on employment law. Now, if you've missed the first two sessions, remember, you can always go back and listen or re-listen to them. Just look for us, The Avanti Woman, and you can find us on all podcast streaming channels, iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, etc., including YouTube. Well, without a further ado, like you all, I'm excited to listen and learn from what Sarah has prepared for us today. The platform's Wonder- yours, my dear, and take it away. Thank you, Nighty. Thanks for that wonderful in- introduction. Yeah, we do have a very important discussion today. Making a decision to expand your business is a big deal. And whether you are a single professional whose practice has outgrown your available time or an entrepreneur with dreams of growing the next big, huge women-owned business, either way, there are many facets of employment law that we need to all be aware of. And today with us, we have two wonderful guest speakers and experts. We have Dordana Karim from Encore Law Group and Patil Derderian from Derderian Law. I'm so sorry. So let me repeat that. Patil Derderian from Derderian Law, both located in Los Angeles, California, who specialize in corporate transactions, business law, and estate planning. Um, I'd like to welcome our guests and our experts, Dordana and Patu. It's so good to have you with us. Uh, before we get started, I'd love to have an introduction of both of you guys and your background. Dordana, let's start off with you. Yes, thank you, Sarah Nairi. Um, it's a pleasure to be back again. Um, uh, my name is Dordana, and you know I'm an attorney um, that's working at Encore Law Group. I've been practicing for about two and a half years now. Um, and like you said, I, I practice corporate transactions, um, business, and our law firm also does business litigation, including employment law issues. Um, and for me, you know, uh, law was really important in terms of just my background and how I assist people and how I um, work in the communities in Los Angeles. You know, being a woman of color, I really want to support other women of color. So I really thank you for <laughs> allowing a space for this organization that you have and, you know, having a podcast like this. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yes. And uh, Dordana has, is, uh, has been with us um, two other times. Um, and this is her third time. We're so happy to have you with us. And also joining us, our first time is Patil Derderian. We're so excited to have you with us, Patil. Share a little about your background. Thank you. Hi, Sarah, of course. Thank you for having us. Uh, a little bit about myself. I'm an Armenian-American. I was born in Lebanon, and I've spent more than half my life in L.A. ever since my family and I moved here. Um, education has always been extremely important for my parents and for myself. They've, been, they've always been my biggest motivators. And from a young age, my parents always advised that I become an attorney. And as I grew up, I started sharing their vision as well. Um, so I went to law school at Loyola Law School and went straight into big law. I worked at Reed Smith, a global law firm for around three years. And finally, a year ago, I decided to branch off and start up my own practice, Der Derian Law, 
to fulfill my father's dream of having our own family practice. Um, prior to opening up my own practice, I defended hundreds of clients, including Fortune 500 companies and financial institutions. However, I wanted to make a difference in people's lives on a personal level, which is why I shifted to serving individuals and businesses. Currently, I specialize in employment law, representing employees. I handle business transactions and litigation, estate planning, and personal injury. That's wonderful. Thank you, Patil. And I think your parents and your philosophy agrees with all of us on this call, education. And so part of this podcast is also educating. I don't think it ever ends, right? It's a lifelong um, lifelong experience of learning. And for our listeners out there, let's get started. So as our business grows, we need to be aware of laws that govern employment. Um, let's start out with understanding why this is important. So ladies, I'll hand it off to you. Why is this important? Oh, yes. So, you know, employment law um, is a complex set of federal, state, and local rules and regulations that govern matters related to employees and employers. And so, like you had said, Sarah, when your business is ready to hire employees or your business is ready to, you know, grow, um, you're kind of now um, in depending on, you know, what state you live in, depending on the location you live in, um, and depending on, you know, the number of employees you're hiring, there are, it's a complex set of issues. And so it's very important to, you know, understand what laws uh, you need to be in compliance with your company or your business needs to be in compliance with. Um, And especially in California, and, you know, both Patil and I are California practicing attorneys, you know, in California, it's very employee friendly, very plaintiff friendly. Um, So it is really important to understand how to protect your business um, when you are hiring employees, when you are um, getting independent contractors and you're classifying it properly or not. And some of the employment, um, I guess, issues that uh, businesses may face include misclassifying workers, wage hour, break um, and overtime claims, wrongful termination, discrimination, harassment claims, um, workplace safety violation, um, OSHA claims. Um, And one thing that's really important is that these laws do change every year. Um, And so you want to make sure that you are in compliance with these changes that, uh, you know, come into effect. Yeah. So Jordana, maybe you can just highlight, and I know um, as someone who's owned multiple businesses, the laws do change, but Mm -hmm. just highlight some of the main ones, not to go into it, but you know, there's laws that are federal and then there's laws that are Mm -hmm. statewide. Um, Can you just name off a few that our listeners should be aware of? Yes, sure. Um, Some of the more federal laws that are out there include Fair Labor Standards Act. Um, This applies to what's the minimum wage. Now, in, you know, minimum wage in the U.S. really depend not only on the federal, but also on the state level and then also on the local level or county level sometimes. Um, So it's very important that those wages are, you know, proper to and in compliance with all of those laws. Um, You also have the Family um, and Medical Leave Act, um, the Civil Rights Act, Equal Pay Act. Um, Americans with Disability Act, um, Age Discrimination Employment Act. So there's just so many rules and regulations, again, out there. um, And so that it creates just a complex set of, you know, analysis in terms of is your business, um, is it proper when they're hiring employees? Right. Mm -hmm. So thanks for sharing that. And Mm -hmm. we don't want anyone to get overwhelmed, right? So these, like you mentioned, (laughs) these laws change, Mm -hmm. but there's things that we can do to protect ourselves. And I know one of the first things that I was advised to do when I hired my team was to create my own company handbook. 
And it was like, wait, what a company handbook? What's all that about? And why do I need it? So maybe um, ladies, Patil or Jordana, you can help us understand why is it important to have a handbook and what should be included? Um, yes, sir. Of course, having a handbook Jordana will be discussing in detail. However, before putting together a handbook, I also want to talk about having an employment contract, which okay. is extremely important. A yes. good employment contract is beneficial to both the employer and the employee. It spells out the rights and obligations of each party. It creates a strong basis for protecting both parties. For example, it protects the employer from certain risks, such as confidential employer information from spilling out or trade secrets, both during and after employment. Yeah. It also protects the job security of the employee. Here are some essential provisions and clauses that should always be considered and inserted if deemed proper after further discussing the matter with your attorney to protect the interests of both parties. Um, for example, a good employment contract should always specify the term of employment, the length of which can always be negotiated between the employer and the employee. The reasons for why an employment contract can be terminated, the duties and responsibilities of both parties, like I stated before, a confidentiality clause, a non-solicitation provision, provisions more specific to the fields involved, okay. um, such as intellectual property, copyright, trademark, certain licenses, registrations that are required for uh, professionals like lawyers, nurses, doctors, and the like. And of course, we always also recommend the binding arbitration agreement. However, well, first, an arbitration agreement is basically where an arbitrator instead of a jury or a judge make the decisions and apply the law to the facts in case there is a lawsuit. But, however, I would note that our standard advice is including an arbitration agreement, although courts may not enforce it because currently there is uncertainty about the law and the decision to enforce it is being appealed. So that's just an overview, but remember there are different types of employment contracts to always consider, including dependent contract agreements, which again, Dardana will touch upon later, um, service agreements, agreements for executive level employees like CEOs, um, and much more. Bottom line, especially with the formation of new companies, it's important to take care of these agreements from the start to ensure proper compliance and a smooth process. Thank you for sharing that, Patu, because um, yes, uh, absolutely. I'm so glad you brought that up, that the contract um, is really important and that should come first, even before the handbook. And I'm so glad that we have experts like yourself here to just remind us of the benefits and really protecting both the company um, the employer and the employee, and you want it to be a reciprocal relationship. So, um, Patil, uh, uh, Dordana, Patil said that you're going to talk about the handbook. So tell us mm -hmm. about the handbook and why that's important. Yes. I know I've always <laughs> had one, both as an employee, and then I've also had one as the employer that I shared <laughs> with my employees. So take it yes, away. Of course, of course. So Employee handbooks, um, it's really, it's a valuable kind of handbook that you have that enables you to have communication resources for both the employees and the employers. Um, it provides a guidance for employees in terms of how policies and procedures are for the company or for your business. Um, and it really, you can set out, you know, the mission of your business or your organization, the goals that you want, workplace, again, workplace policies and procedures, and the rights and responsibilities 
responsibilities. And in this handbook, you, you kind of set also the kind of minimum in laws that apply to your um, business, um, whether it's federal, state, or local. Um, and so that's why this uh, handbook is very important because it kind of builds a healthy relationship between the management and the employee. Um, and it's really a vital outline in terms of the logistics, the timekeeping requirements, um, you know, when an employee can clock in or clock out, whether mm-hmm. an employee is, um, you know, what, how um, payment is made based on exempt or non-exempt employees, um, the hours of work, um, the pay periods and the like. And, uh, you know, It's important to have this um, because this kind of provides a guideline both for employers and the employee. Um, And a lot of the times we see issues, um, Teal can go into this when we talk about litigation that happens, employment litigation that happens, um, you have wage and hour claims and wage and hour violations. Um, And so this kind of provides for both parties a way to make sure you're in compliance with all of those complex employment laws that are out there in the US. Um, and you can also set kind of um, other other um, benefits as well uh, for, for employees in terms of if you're providing health insurance benefits and um, retirement benefits, other types of packages um, include things like family medical leave, jury service, how that works, sick, sick leave, um, you know, the notice that's required for vacation time, if you're providing vacation time, um, all of that. Um, so it's kind of a go-to guide for the employees and um What's really important, again, since laws are constantly changing, that you're also updating and reviewing the employee handbook, you know, on a yearly basis to see, okay, these news laws, and especially in California, these news law just got implemented and gone into effect. Does it apply to my business? Should I um, update it or not? Um, That's a really important thing to do every year at the end of the year. We kind of do that for some of our clients. Um, Okay. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> That's great. And um, thanks for sharing. And I agree. Um, the the handbook really puts everybody at ease, so to speak, both the employer mm-hmm. and the employee, because you know how, what the rules are for um, the company and what the policies are. So there's no confusion. Everybody's on the same page. It really eliminates um, the confusion, the guessing game or, or any of that type. But now one of the questions I had is, then as a new business, I really don't have the money, nor do I have the resource to be able to say, I need to hire an HR. So I can't hire an HR employee, you know, expert. So what's available out there really quickly? Um, you know, do you have any recommendations on, you know, how a smaller organization can get this type of assistance? Mm-hmm. Well, one thing we do always recommend as attorneys is to speak with an attorney to make sure that, um, you know, your business, the laws are that you're that apply to you are applicable to you and mm-hmm. what you're following is proper because really the analysis in terms of the, the different employment laws that are out there is to look at, you know, how many employees do you have? What state are you in? What, you know, location is your business in? What, where are the employees um, are actually providing the services for your business? Um, there's just so many um, factors that are taken into consideration. That's why it's important one first to talk to an attorney who specializes in employment law to make sure, you know, you have that overall um, uh, analysis and advice and uh, to make sure that your business is and compliance. And then once you um, have that process, um, nowadays, there's so many third party service providers that help with you payroll that help with kind of management of employees, timekeeping, um, training employees, going through a hiring process to the termination process. Um, I know that our 
firm will use ADP. Um, there are also uh, companies that provide something called service as a software as a service um, that are specific to be able to pay for payroll or go through the payroll process, talent management, training, um, and even single service provider um, that just um, you know will do HR services for your small business. That's great. Thank you. So now um, going from there, we talked about the laws and why it's important. We talked about the handbook and we talked about where we can get these resources. One of the other topics that's really important, and I know California passed the law recently around this, and I'm sure many other states did as well, is how the different types of employees So, you know, and I like to kind of share with our listeners the clarification of the laws on the different types of employees. There's the the employee, which is a W-2, and then there's independent contractors that are 1099. Um, And then within those employees, there's exempt and non-exempt. So maybe one of you, uh, Dordana or Patil, um, I'll ask one of you guys to kind of just please kind of share with us the different... If it's an employee, the different types of employees. Um, Yes, Sarah, you're very right. Misclassifying workers can have huge consequences, especially in California. Simply providing a title to an employee does not make them exempt. Uh, What I'm going to do is I'm going to cover the difference between exempt and non-exempt. And Dordana is going to cover the difference between independent contractor and an employee. Okay, that's great. (laughs) (laughs) So for... Exempt versus non-exempt. There are specific requirements that must be met for each applicable exemption. And if the requirements are not met, then there must the employer must comply with all the wage and hour requirements, which include the penalties if there are any violations. The primary difference between exempt and non-exempt employees is the eligibility for overtime and minimum wage payments. Um, exempt employees are not entitled to overtime or minimum wage. Non-exempt are. Exempt employees, yes, correct. So exempt employees receive a salary for the work that they perform. Of course, there is more to this when it comes to deciding the salary of the employee, and we recommend reaching out to an attorney to further discuss. On the other hand, non-exempt employees are paid hourly wage. This also means that once a non-exempt employee works over 40 hours, they are entitled to overtime pay. So I'm going to give an ex- examples of exempt and non-exempt just so it's clear to the audience. Examples of exempt employees who receive salaries, once again, include executive employees like CEOs, professional employees like doctors, lawyers, nurses, engineers, um, even teachers, and administrative employees like HR, accounting, and finance. On the other hand, non-exempt employees, who are the ones who get paid hourly, include contractors, interns, servers, retail associates, and the like. The type of employees basically who take direction from a supervisor, but they themselves do not have any administrative or executive roles and positions. Okay, that's good to know and very important. Um, So then what about employee versus independent contractors? Mm -hmm. Um, What are the rules around it? And how do I determine if someone truly is considered uh, independent contractor, a 1099. Yes. Help us with that. <laughs> yeah, I can discuss a little bit on that. Okay. Um, so for determining whether someone that you are hiring is an independent contractor employee, I will just say first, it's 
it is a complicated analysis. Um, you want to make sure um, that you know who you who you're working with. You're not just like Patil had said. You're not misclassifying this individual that you are hiring because. Um, laws change in California, we had a codification of a case decision that was made. And then we've had mm -hmm. recent changes and exemptions to that um, rule. And so the general overview of when you're determining if there's, you know, this individual that you're hiring is an independent contractor employee is to look at the kind of control that uh, the employer has over this individual. Um, you know, are you determining the hours that this person is working? Are mm -hmm. you determining the type of pay or is it something that they're providing to say, okay, this is the service that I'm going to provide you. And these are, these are my, um, you know, compensation for the service that I do. Um, are you providing the equipment or is this individual bringing their own equipment? Um, are expenses reimbursed? Do they receive any type of benefits? Um, those factors are taken into consideration to determine if it's an independent contractor employee. Um, and then in California, we have had something called an ABC test. Yes. Um, some of the factors, yes, some of the factors that are determined and the ABC test really came from this case decision called Dy Dynamax that was passed. And so um, some of the factors that are taken into consideration include whether, again, it's the control, whether this individual that you're hiring um, has their own level of control or you're controlling the hours, the time they're coming in, um, where they're working, um, uh, those are all taken into consideration. The performance of the work, is it outside the usual course of hiring um, for the specific business or is this individual providing um, the services only for, for your business? Um, is the individual also that you're hiring um, customarily engaged in, in independently established trade or occupation um, that they usually perform, that's usually known to be an independent contractor type of trade? Um, so those are all taken into consideration. And what California had done recently um, is codify, which means make this decision into rule um, through something um, known as AB5. Um, and so uh, that has gone into the labor code. And they've also established, they've listed specifically um, what who are independent contractors, who classify as independent contractors. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean um, you know, if you do classify someone as employee or independent contractor, you're not always prevented from litigation. <laughs> right. It could come back and a court could come and say, you know, based on these factors, you know, it leans more towards an independent contractor or it leans more towards an employee because you've started now controlling the type of work they're doing or they're only providing the services for your business and not for anyone else. Um, well, you just brought me to my last topic that I wanted to talk about, Ordana, and I mean, this is such a wealth of knowledge, and I'm so glad that we have the two of you, the experts, but since you brought it up, I think it's in um, the last question that I really had is about litigation. Um, I don't want to scare any of our listeners um, because I think there's a lot of key points here, but it's just more about being aware of situations and how to prevent them. And, um, but what are those circumstances in which a business can be sued for employment practices and how does a uh, company protect itself? So I'll leave it to you ladies um, who'd like to help us with that. Well, to the listeners, to our audience, if you've come this far, you're already ahead of the game. Um, you've Very learned- Very good point, Patti. Right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, but basically this point brings everything together. 
Um, employers can be sued for multiple reasons, and we already touched a lot of them and we talked about it. One, let me name a few of them again. So misclassifying workers, right? Claims for misclassifying workers include classifying them as independent contractor versus employees or exempt versus non-exempt. For such violations, there are penalties. Another category of violations include wage and hour claims, claims involving unpaid overtime. And again, that ties back to whether or not you know if your employee is exempt or non-exempt. Off-the-clock work, vacation pay, payroll deductions, commission disputes, um, waiting time penalties, statement violations, alleged meal and rest period violations, all of them. All of these have penalties that tie in with them. Then we have wrongful termination, discrimination, harassment claims, federal and state anti-discrimination statutes prohibit employers from hiring, promoting, or discharging employees based on race, color, ethnic origin, age, sexual orientation, pregnancy, um, marital status, their mental condition, physical disabilities, and the like. So it's important for employers to protect themselves against such violations by having proper employment contracts in place, employee handbooks, and following the state, federal, and local rules. Otherwise, the penalties the penalties can actually add up to a very hefty amount. So regardless, though, to be safe, just in case there is a lawsuit, it's important to have insurance, employment practice liability insurance. I'm glad you brought um, that up, Pati. <laughs> yes, <laughs> very important, just in case. Um, similarly, it's also important for employees. Um, so I want to cover both ends. It's also impo- important for employees to understand that they cannot be taken advantage of. It is their right to be treated right. fairly and properly at the workplace. And it's important for them to know that we have this. what we have discussed today also applies to them. They have certain labor and employment rights, the denial and violation of which can secure them compensation for the wrongdoings. Bottom line, if you're in doubt whether or not you are running your business properly and abiding by the most current law, state and federal, or as an employee, if your rights have been violated, you should always reach out to an attorney to discuss your options. That's wonderful. So just to kind of recap that, because there was a lot of information right there, but um, what our wonderful attorneys just shared, you know, you want to protect yourself with the employee contract, with a handbook, and then get your employment practices insurance as well. There's different options there, there um, as well. So just to, you know, I want to thank Dordana and Patil for sharing your experience and wisdom with all of us. You shared a wealth of knowledge and a lot to think about before we hire our team or even improve our existing employee practices. So thank you very much, uh, Dordana and Patil. Um, I'd like to, you know, uh, thank also Encore Law Group and Derderian Law. And a big thank you to all of our listeners. This was our third in our four-part series. We look forward to having all of you join with us at our fourth podcast. Um, But before I leave all of you, I just want to say to all of our listeners out there, hiring people is a challenging process. Hiring the wrong employee is expensive and costly to your work environment and time consuming. But hiring the right employee, on the other hand, pays you back in employee productivity, a successful employment relationship and a positive impact on your total work environment. Thankfully, there are many resources like our wonderful uh, guests here um, to help you find and hire top talent while meeting state and federal laws. I will just end by sharing a quote by Ursula Burns, CEO of Beyond. 
believe that there are no limitations, no barriers to your success. You will be empowered and you will achieve. Um, I'm gonna hand it over to you, Nighty. Any closing um, remarks? Love it, love it, love it, Sarah. No limitations. You know what uh, they say, whatever the mind can conceive and believe, it can achieve. And it's all about what the Avanti woman, also known as Tao, um, is about. Um, it's, it's all about empower, connect, and build, right? So um, thank you, Dordana, Patil, and Sarah for this important and much necessary topic that's a lifeline for every entrepreneur and business owner. Now, everyone out there in business for yourselves or thinking about it, I highly recommend that you listen to this episode. Uh, thanks, Encore Law Group and Derderian Law, and to all our listeners. Again, if you are in business for yourself and thinking about it, remember, having an attorney and doing it right from the start can save you from a lot of future financial and emotional headache. Now, if you have an attorney, you've done your work, bravo. And if you don't have one, you can always reach out to these amazing women attorneys, Jordana and Patil at Encore Law Group and Derderian Law, respectively. That's www.encorelawgroup.com and www.derderianlaw.com. Thanks again for listening. And remember, you can follow us at The Avanti Woman on all social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And please send us your questions, your feedback, or suggestions on future podcast topics. We would love to hear from you. We actually listen to you and we get all the feedback that you send us so that we can improve. We can put content out there that's going to help us all women to, uh, to learn and to thrive. Thank you all for listening. See you next time. And until then, please take care of yourselves and be happy.